Good morning, everyone, and thank you for being here today for the Wonder Women in Business podcast. Today, we have on an ally, Dr. Nishi Parikh. Doc, thanks for being here today. We are so excited to have you. You're very interesting. I know you're super brilliant and uh, incredibly talented, and I would love to hear more about your background so that our audience can get to know you better. Yeah, Susan, no, thanks for having me. Um, so a little bit about myself. So first off, uh, most important to me, I have uh, four kids, uh, beautiful wife. Um, professionally, I'm a family practice physician that did a specialty in sports medicine and um, now focused a lot of my primary care and family medicine on lifestyle and getting people to focus on their entire lifestyle to improve their health. So we focus on men, women, entire families to look at their diets, exercise, their stress, and really, really get them to elevate their life through um, mindfulness, exercise, food, better sleep. And we work with the individual. So we work with um, women to look at how can they be the best for themselves and not always... Um, be comparing themselves to their counterparts, to their husbands, to their kids and say, well, he does that. What should I do? And, and same thing for the, for the, for the men, but we're very, very focused on the individual. And um, that's where we've kind of shifted our practice most recently. And it's been so much fun doing that with, with individuals. Nice. So I have to say there's a lot to unpack with all of that. Uh, my listeners, many of them know me personally um, mm -hmm. they know that, so, so first of all, thank you for doing that and looking at the whole story an individual's whole story, not just what hurts, but the whole package, like the entire, all the fibers that weave the fabric of their lives. Because for me personally, doc, um, the listeners know this about me in the last two years, I became the caregiver for my mother who has Alzheimer's and it changed oh, uh -huh. everything about my oh, life. Absolutely. Absolutely. I have gained almost 60 pounds. I've lost hair. The stress is unbelievable. I have a, a the, what do they call it? Stress belly omentum that I never in my life had. And it's, you know, I went to my GP and I'm, I'm not going to mention her name, but she said the only thing wrong was the fact that I couldn't embrace myself the way I am. Oh. And that was not helpful. I left in tears and was oh horrified. Gosh. So yeah. it's amazing to hear you say that you take in to everything into account, you know, like lifestyle, diet, what's going on to make you um, this change in your body. I also had a hysterectomy, which she didn't even acknowledge could impact the, you know, my body in a different way. So I sure. love I mean, this story. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think for so many people, like what you said is a story of so many people's lives and right their weight gain is not because they always eat too much, but it's because of a stress that they have in their life that's causing them to do what they're doing. And if we just keep saying, hey, cut your carbs or go exercise, we'll never get to the root of that problem. It's way too hard to actually solve it or to actually make a change in somebody's life. And um, I think, uh, you know, it's, it's too bad that a lot of healthcare providers or a lot of coaches or a lot of um, individuals that we go to for our care and advice don't um, don't address that. But I think that's, it's part of our system is that we don't always yeah. as physicians have the time to open up that can of worms. I think they're not as patient centered as you seem to be or sound like you are. And they're more about, um, 
you know, what's the textbook quick prescription for this, oh, whether it's medicine or not, you know, yep. Yep. um, this is, this is really, I didn't expect this. Like I'm very personally invested in this conversation now. Usually I'm a vehicle through which others uh, get to know my guests, but I feel personally invested. And, and after we hang up, we'll want to learn much more about your practice and perhaps switch doctors. <laughs> so. Anytime I would love to uh, love to chat and, you know, we're always open to taking care of anybody that comes our way. And I think that's, um, you know, you or anyone would find that not just myself, but everyone we bring into the, this office is incredibly loving and caring. And I think that's our number one criteria to bring someone in to work with us is that if it's a staff that's going to be here, they have to be loving, caring, and be able to embrace an individual because people come here sometimes at their most hurting moments. Right. And if we can't, if everyone here can't do that, then it's very difficult to, for someone to leave uh, feeling better. So I have to say, I like that you called the um, practice lifestyle medicine because it does give the, um, it evokes or, or it connotes a holistic look at what's going on, not just where it hurts. I love that. Um, let me uh, acknowledge something else you said. So I'm cracking up laughing, kind of sad, funny laugh. Yesterday, I took time out for self-care, which I probably haven't done in two and a half years. And I went to a salon um, and I met this woman and we were talking and she said to me, um, she said that her husband was trying to lose weight, but all he does is yoga. So then he got on the treadmill and she was going on and on about, you know, her husband and how he looks. And you said that about how we compare ourselves to our spouses or our uh -huh. women and men in our networks. I took out my phone and I showed her of a picture of my husband who's nearly 60 mm -hmm. and has the most amazing body you'll ever see. I mean, he runs on a treadmill. He's a former Navy guy. He's, mm -hmm. you know, um, first of all, he's brilliant, but I, the fact that you said that, and I think that was what I was doing. I was comparing, you know, my life to his. And I told her, I said, this is what I have to live with every day. <laughs> um, you know, yeah, yeah. And, um, so she was doing the same thing. So I think couples do that. We grow to, instead of comparing or contrasting ourselves uh, with the person we were yesterday, or even our highest best selves today, we do that. We compare and contrast ourselves to others. That's so unrealistic. So I, I just, that was so powerful when you said that. Um, and folks, you know, on my podcast, I don't have conversations with the guests in advance. I do that on purpose. Uh, so this really hit home. Again, another um, great, great comment that you made. So I think women are guilty of that more than men, at least in my, my experience. Yeah, I think, you know, I, and uh, I used to, uh, I used to wonder where women get that mindset from of comparing or, or sometimes having the views that they have. And so maybe that's why I have, uh, I have three daughters, an eight-year-old, a six-year-old, and a three-year-old. And I start to see, I've, I've seen this, and I've had so many conversations with my wife about this, that at such a young age, women or girls are starting to get told, hey, look what I'm wearing. Oh, you're not wearing that. Look what I'm wearing. Look at my purse. Um, right. Look at my hair. I got I got color in my hair. I got beads in my hair, or whatever. Um, or being told right on the other end, well, you can't play with me because you can't run as fast as I am. You can't do this because you're a girl. You can't do that. Well, no, sweetie, that's not for you to climb. Let the boys go do that. And I hear my eight-year-old coming home and saying, Dad, I can climb a tree, but 
they didn't let me because <clears throat> they said that boys can climb. And, you know, being in second grade, she's probably faster than most of the boys in her class. She can do the monkey bars, skip bars, do all these things that all the boys in her class can do, yet <clears throat> she's told, I can't do it, or you can't do it because you're a girl. And we see on a daily basis, my wife and I are having to undo that and then go do it with her and say, no, you can do it. And look, we're telling you and we're showing you and, and you know you can do it. And I think as girls grow up with that and if parents aren't checked into what's happening to young women and then as they get older, they keep comparing themselves to other women, to men, and you know, then it affects them in their family life, affects them in their workplace, and it just keeps going. And it's, it's such an unfortunate thing to see um, young girls, women, uh, young women all have to go through. And I think it stays with them. And it's, um, it, it and does. It, that's where it's coming from, I feel like. It does. And I, it's, so I study a lot of this. This is a lot of the work that I do. Mm -hmm. um, it is not something we're born with. It is something we're taught. It's an yep. environmental and we take that on. Totally, and then we totally have, agree. yeah. So then we yep. suffer imposter syndrome and we suffer, yep. you know, women are afraid to negotiate for a better salary mm -hmm. or to know their value or worth. I have Absolutely. a story. Um, it's, it's sad that you tell me this story. This makes me sad, but I'm glad that you and your wife had had the uh, courage to undo the damage or before it became damage. Um, a lawyer two days ago told me that he and his wife had gone to their daughter's school for the parent teacher conference and mm -hmm. the teacher had given the, the daughter high marks. Now she's in elementary school, very young, like mm -hmm. your kids, a little older than your kids. And at the end of the report, she said, um, you know, she's, she's a delight. She makes great grades, but I have to say she can be bossy sometimes. And they were shocked. And the wife said to the teacher, well, let me ask you, had she been a he, would you have said that? And the teacher jaw dropped and her jaw, the teacher's jaw dropped. And she said, you know what? I never even thought about that. I absolutely would not. I would have thought leadership skills, seriously. Huh. Wow. Yeah. And well, so yeah. she took that off the report card. I mean, I know this doesn't follow you for the rest of your days until you get a job and so forth, but still yeah. it's a reflection in your record. Oh, and, absolutely. Um, more importantly and worse than that is like with your daughter, if she says that to this young girl, Absolutely. And she doesn't fully develop into, into the highest and best self she can possibly be. So mm -hmm. thank you for sharing that real life story with us. Um, well, let me ask you, I love what you do. I know a lot of doctors. My father was a pathologist. My brother's a doctor. Um, but they were never like what you're talking about, never focused on the whole human being. What compelled you to do what you do for a living? Yeah, so I think there's so many factors for me. So one, um, I went to, so in the U.S., right, there's MD schools and there's DO schools. I went to the DO, which is an osteopathic medical school. And the philosophy there is mind, body, spirit, where you, you look at patients as a whole. So that's kind of where the base of my education started. Now, many DOs, just because of the system practice like anyone else, um, but that, that kind of sat with me. Second, then I've had mentors or other physicians that I've gotten the chance to work with that have done very, very similar things that I kind of grew with and I took that on. And I think the biggest factor for me was probably my wife that, um, you know, always pushed me 
to be better. So we got married the day after we got married, I started my internship. So she was kind of with me through this whole thing and we'd come home and talk. She's like, why, why? Like she'd always question that. And she was I always, love that. <laughs> always, every night it was like, well, why is it wrong to touch your patient? Why is it wrong? Why didn't you do that? Why didn't you, if they're crying, why didn't you give them a hug? Why didn't you give them a tissue? I'm like, yeah, you know what? I don't know. They just never taught us to do that. We just, they encourage us not to do that. Right. And she's like, well, why? That's dumb. She's like, if you are crying, don't you want someone to put your arm around them? I was like, yeah. And so, right, she started those conversations with me very early. And she's very, she's a uh, physical therapist. She's not working right now, um, taking care of the kids. But she's, was always into holistic care. Yeah. Uh, not from the medical side, but hey, let's home remedies and this and that. And so she'd always question me. And it really kind of pushed me over the years to start researching it and to figure out how can I incorporate that into practice. And the more I learned, the more I saw that, you know, if we can fix somebody's sleep, they're going to get better. They're going to wake up more energetic. If we can get rid of stress, um, again, they're going to increase energy. Skin's going to improve. Their mindset's going to improve. Their relationships will improve. And all of a sudden, they can start to see life with a different perspective, which then can help them exercise and help them eat better. And then all of a sudden, you put all these things together, we start creating better habits for ourselves, and our life starts to improve. And right, and that's kind of where we then created this, the six aspects of lifestyle, stress, relationships, food, habits, sleep, and physical activity, to really hit the core of what we really need to do in our life to take it up to the next level. And, um, and that's kind of where it started. So it's been a journey. It's been a journey of, you know, I've done um, everything from seeing patients, five minutes of visit, seeing 40, 40 patients a day, um, and uh, to surgeries and um, assisting in surgeries where, you know, we're just, afterwards, we're, we're talking, did this surgery really need to happen or not? Is, was it prevent, could we have prevented this if we had given the patient the right advice years ago? Yeah. Uh, Right. And so over over all those years of training and then practicing, um, we've been wanting to put something like this together. It's been on my mind for a long time. And I came across uh, the right person who now is the director of our program, I win. And, um, you know, working with her, she was able to help me put the whole program together, which has been amazing because, you know, working full-time, having the kids at home, I didn't have the bandwidth to do it. Um, and so when she stepped in, she was able to really say, you know, and we were able to connect and uh, she's phenomenal. She's great. She was able to run with it, put the program together, and then um, start to manage so much of uh, the program. And that's where it kind of all came together, which, uh, you know, to me, it's a godsend that everyone, uh, so many pieces of this puzzle had to come together for this to work. And it's, it's been an awesome, fun, fun journey to do it. I love coming to work every day and interacting with people because now it's not medicine and medical right. care necessarily. It's transformation of lives and it's building relationships and really, really um, understanding an individual and everything that happens within his or her life. So I love all of that. It sounds very much like you are, um, all of you are focused on listening. That's the only way you learn and believing that you can learn from your patients. Um, traditionally, doctors have been the ones doing all the talking. You're in, you're out, you do what they say, and that's it. But nowadays, 
it's more important to listen. Sometimes listening and questions are more important than answers. And it oh, seems to me, you're listening with empathy and not judgment. And the fact that you were courageous enough to even ask yourself and others after a surgery, could this have been prevented had we uh, intervened in a different way earlier on is so, that, that's really courageous of you to say that, first of all, but it's so powerful. I wish more people in, uh, I don't see you in medicine, I see you in healing or uh, prevention of problems, not just solving problems. Mm -hmm. um, so I wish more doctors would do that. And along that line of thinking, um, I would love to introduce you to a very, very, very close friend of mine, which she's actually a relative, but she's the um, executive officer of the Sanford Institute for Empathy and Compassion at UCSD. And they work a lot with doctors who are now incorporating compassion and empathy and listening and asking more questions and holistic approaches to their treatment or um, care for patients. Sure. I would love to connect you. I think she would love, yeah, I would love to. Doing. Yeah. Would love mm -hmm. you know, I feel like I kind of, um, I, I also teach for many universities, uh, medical schools, and uh, so the students rotate through here. And, um, you know, I have given feedback now over the years to their admissions committee. I feel like one of the, num like, I feel, um, one of the things that the dean of our medical school told us when we started was we can teach medicine to anybody because it's not that hard to learn a textbook but to really be able to incorporate that with care compassion and uh, a bedside manner is very difficult and so so many of you were picked to come to this medical school because of your compassion and um, he's retired now but i think that stuck with me that if more medical schools picked people, not just for their grades, but for their bedside manner, for their compassion, for their ability to empathize with somebody, I think our care would just overnight improve drastically because you have people that actually care now. They're not just book smart and they know an answer. Now we do need some of those people in medicine as well. Don't get me wrong. We absolutely need those people because like someone like me, I don't like doing research. I don't like numbers and stats and all that stuff. Um, so I don't gravitate towards that. We need people like that as well in medicine. But we also need so many more physicians, nurse practitioners, physical therapists, physician assistants, all these people to actually just empathize and care a little bit more. And I think uh, people's health would improve drastically. You know, I don't know if this is still correct or not, but I heard at some point in my life where I believed this for most of my life, they don't even teach, um, certainly they don't teach that in most med schools. They don't even teach nutrition in med schools. They don't teach um, the power of positive thinking or the healing touch or, you know, in fact, they do discourage that type of, um, but I, I teach a lot of, you know, communications and best practices and gender-based communications. One of the things I teach is literally shaking hands because of the physical touch, mm -hmm. the dopamine is released and people, um, you know, they bond and connect and they're memorable and they trust each other. And like the physical touch is very healing. Oh, absolutely. Uh, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Um, yeah, you're welcome to give me a hug if I end up being a patient. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, uh, yeah, I, and it's uh, not uncommon in our practice for patients to, you know, release their emotions and yeah. give our staff and give the providers a hug. It's not uncommon. And every listener out there, if you've listened to any number of my podcasts, 
you know that I am personally very open, honest, and direct. I'm very much um, an empath. I feel other people's pain. I am very sensitive. Um, and I talk openly about what a, you know, total hurricane this was in my life to have to care give, uh, be the caregiver for my mother. And um, I have been known to well up with tears when I share the story of such a, it was a fast and rough and hard driving transition in the past two years um, that I'm still not accustomed to. I mean, you know, your life changes. She mm -hmm. doesn't remember the things that she says and does, but I remember everything and it's no fun, no fun whatsoever. It's, it's barely tolerable. So I think the fact that you're incorporating a person's emotional and mental uh, state of being into your work as their doctor is as important as incorporating their physical being. Um, so amazing. I, I, I don't think I've ever had a person on the show who, who's connected um, those dots in such a, you know, powerful way. I mean, I, I can go to my doctor and tell him what's wrong, tell her what's wrong and get a prescription mm -hmm. and go home and not get better. Even yeah. if I'm taking the meds, even if, so it, it's much more than just where does it hurt? Well, let me ask Absolutely. you this. Um, sure. Clearly people benefit from your work, but what have you seen, you know, how long have you been in practice doing um, with the um, current, position the current institute yeah or so we've been doing the this for about um formally we've been doing it about a year and a half to two years awesome yeah. i wish i had known you then um i could have practiced some prevention so we can there's never too late no thank you for saying yeah. that um some days honestly doc i've believed it was you know um mm -hmm. And when my own doctor says, just learn to love yourself the way you are, it's like, you just dismissed me totally. You didn't even hear me, you know? Yeah, it's a very um, quick way to shut you up and move you out the door. Right, next yeah. patient, please. Yeah. Like I'm yeah. a factory, it's a factory. Mm -hmm. So I am, I'm looking forward to meeting you all personally uh, at Absolutely. Your in Santa Clara. Um, totally worth the drive for me. Uh, Life-changing stuff that you're doing here. How are you nearby here? I, I'm not. I'm in South San Francisco where the airport is, but you're oh, yeah. worth, worth the drive. That's, that's new, not too far. Um, right. Actually, many of our patients live in San Francisco as well and see us here. That's um, amazing. Yeah, because so much of medicine nowadays and so many of the conversations, once we get to know somebody in person, so much of the follow-up can be done over the phone or it could be done via video conference. It could be done sure. via email. It could be done in so many different ways. Um, I think it's important to definitely connect in person because uh, there's just something different about being together, especially when it comes to emotions and when it comes to yeah. certain conversations. But, you know, so much of the other stuff can just be done remotely and we have the technology to do it. So we have patients that are traveling all over the world and we're still able to care for them. I love that. I yeah. love that. I love, so I teach this, that, that the first interaction to absolutely be face-to-face. -face. You read the nonverbal communication, you mm -hmm. see the body language, the, you know, um, and then from then on, you feel like you've know, you know this person, you trust this person, this person mm -hmm. knows you. Let me ask you, in the two years you've been doing this at, in, in your new offices or in your offices, what has been the um, most typical feedback from from patients like the what kind of positive result do they share with you or or you know just feedback 
Positive or negative, actually? Um, that's a good question. I think the the number one thing is probably um, so physically a big one is weight loss is a big one that uh, physically people see but i think even bigger than that um, eventually what people come and say is that i feel so much more alive yes and and uh, i feel like i can do anything now and i know what I'm lacking in, and I know what my strengths are, but I also know what my weaknesses are. But now I think I have the mental capacity and strength to actually face that and to move forward in my life. And I think because of that, then they're able to um, face whatever fear or whatever anxieties that were going on. Um, many times it's a relationship between a spouse, um, husband or yeah. wife, and they're able to face that and uh, have the, build the courage to speak up, you know, um, just the other day, and, and this is, it's been too many patients that have had this, had to work with us on, but just most recently, two days ago, I had a woman who finally, after working with her for a few months now, um, finally admitted, she's like, you know, my husband has been um, basically emotionally abusing her, has been, um, they've had some years of physical abuse, actually back and forth, her to him and him to her. Um, and she's in a place now that she just like, she doesn't know what to do, how to do, how to get away. Um, and she feels like without him, she's nobody, even though he treats Aww. her like, even though he treats her so poorly, she knows that she's more than that, but because he doesn't see it, she doesn't feel it. Right. And, um, you know, All too often, women define themselves by other people's labels, titles. Absolutely. Yep. It's, absolutely. And it's, it's, it's so sad. It's so yeah. sad. And it's so heartbreaking to feel that and to, to have to talk someone through that. Is, it's so, it's, uh, I, I don't know how to talk about it because it's, it's a, such a personal topic that women, especially when they bring that up, it's, just, it's heartbreaking that they're treated in such ways by men. Well, I'll say this. I'll say that because you're the father of three daughters and you and your wife know how to recognize and prevent or combat those sorts of, um, you know, how other people, how you define yourself based on other people's labels and titles is not healthy and not okay. You have to, you know, other people's, other people's opinions of me is none of my business. I mean, I yep. really need to be my own highest and best self and, and that's mm -hmm. that. But um, I'll tell you a lot of people who listen to this podcast it doesn't matter what economic status you are, how educated you are. I know a lot of wealthy, successful, brilliant women who suffer the same, that they're oh, very insecure mm -hmm. um, and don't know who, who they are. So there's been no self-actualization, no self-love, no self-respect. Mm -hmm. And, it, and it, in fact, I preach the message that you cannot love others until you love self. And Absolutely. Lot, yep. Yeah. A lot yeah. of people don't understand that. They're like, it sounds mighty selfish. And I'm like, no, it's not. If you're going to be able to help others, you have to help yourself first. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So. Yeah. And, and for me, the great thing is being in family practice, I get to see that husband as well. Many oh, times wow. I take care of that husband as well. And uh, a wife will open up like this without the husband knowing. And then the challenge becomes, how can I incorporate yeah. this coaching into the husband's uh, visit 
without him knowing that this is what the wife told me so she doesn't get home and get in trouble right. and yet encourage him to be a better person and uh right start to learn to respect his wife and respect women and i mean so and and i think that starts at a young age as well we have a son as well and from right now he's you know he's barely two but um he he'll be two in august but already it's the mindset for my wife and myself both is teaching him to respect his older sisters to teach him to respect women as he gets older because if he if we don't teach him that now and if we just excuse well he's a boy he's a boy he's a boy uh, then you know he's going to be that same guy that does this stuff yeah men are doing today and, and uh, i believe doc that it's a place of fear when men and women when people act out that way it's because mm -hmm. They don't love themselves. They're, they act out of fear and not love. They don't, they, they feel like I can't allow someone to be um, as high or higher or as good or better or as worthy or more worthy than I because oh, they yeah. all look bad. So that, yeah. that's exactly what bullies do. So Absolutely. Um, I love that you incorporate all this psychology uh, into your practice. I mean, I think it's, the only way to heal the whole self, you know, mm -hmm. you can't just heal a part of yourself and have the rest of you still hurting. No, um, not at all. And, and I'll tell you something about the weight gain. Since you did say that you get a lot of feedback from patients who've lost weight with you. Um, huh? For me, people like the doctor that told me basically get over it and love yourself the way you are. She didn't understand where I was coming from. It has nothing to do with vanity. And, and besides the fact that it's difficult to go, finance an entire new wardrobe when you've gained weight so quickly. Mm -hmm. But the most important thing to me was I could no longer, my language of love is quality time with my son and my husband. And I could no longer go hiking with them, kayaking mm -hmm. with them, the things that we used to enjoy doing, creating memories, good memories for ourselves and each other. And sure. I couldn't do that since I gained all this weight. And yeah. you're I probably tired and feel drained sure. all the time. Oh my God. It's, it's almost, you know, I've never been depressed, but I would, I would wonder, is this sometimes a feeling of depression that I have? Um, and I'm a perky, annoyingly perky, positive person. <laughs> like mm -hmm. people are like, wow, she's so positive, but I'm that person that brings out good and happy feelings in others. So on these rare occasions, when I have to say, you know, geez, I can't go with you. Or I can't do that. Or I need to stop now. Y'all go to the top of the mountain or the hill or whatever. We mm -hmm. go to Hawaii, we hike, we, I can't do it. I just, mm -hmm. it's, and it's not just age. It's mostly the weight. And so that impacts my mental health and well-being. And yeah, sure. I think I'm Absolutely. sad sometimes. So I don't usually talk about this on podcast. So, um, wow, you got me going. Um, well, let me ask you this. Since my focus, as you well know, is mm -hmm. on equity in the workplace or even in life, sure. Um, yep. And I see that with you having uh, such an open mind and a wise heart, you have children, both male and female, you are practicing what you preach, but how can we um, listeners out there just each and every day, maybe do something different to help create equity in the workplace or in the world? Sure. Absolutely. So I think, um, well, I think, and uh, my, my first line may, may be sometimes it shocks people, but my personal feeling is that we're not all equal and right, men and women aren't equal. And so you shouldn't act or pretend that you are equal to the men that you work with or the men that you live with, but you need to be the best of who you are. 
So for example, and the reason I say that is, right, um, women, if you're a new mom, you're gonna be, you may be breastfeeding, you may be taking care of a newborn, you may be doing different things that men don't have to do. But if, while you're going through that moment in your life, if you put the stress on yourself that I have to do just like every other guy in the office does, then you're gonna make yourself miserable, you're gonna stress yourself out, and you're not gonna show the best of yourself. Versus if you say, hey, you know what? I can't have a meeting at one o'clock because I need to pump or I need to do this, but I can do it at two o'clock, and you can get everyone on board with you, then you're not stressed about how am I gonna do both at the same time, and you're gonna feel better about um, being in that place because people are now supporting you, and now you can show the best of who you are. Right. And a lot of times I'll talk to women about this is that in your workplace, especially start to find places to work that people are going to support you for your needs and for the things that you need to do. And if that means you need to work like um, eat, sit down to actually eat if you need. To, and, and this goes for anybody, but you need to really stand up for who you are and what you need in your life and not pretend to be just like everybody else. And here, and a lot of this comes from, so for example, I work with a lot of athletes. So um, a lot of women push themselves to work out the same way that men work out, and they think that that's the best way to work out. Now, if you looked at, uh, and it's, it's, you can read about it online, but like uh, the women's soccer team, for example, started working out based on their menstrual cycles, which again, men don't have to deal with that. But as they did that, they started to see that they were training stronger. Uh, they started getting stronger faster. They started to have um, better response times. They, better, they had better endurance. All of this when they worked around their menstrual cycles and they started to achieve much higher gains. And um, now many teams, women's sports teams have started doing this and they're seeing tremendous amounts of, of um, gain in all these women's athletic ability. So again, if you put yourself in the same shoes as someone else being a guy, you may not be the best of yourself, right? So, I mean, there's a lot of studies that show women, uh, one in three women miss work because of their um, menstrual cycle symptoms, right? So again, men don't have to deal with that. But if we're able to say, you know what, I don't feel good and I am going to miss a day of work or I'm going to slow down a little today because... I just started my period and I don't feel good and I need to hydrate, I need to eat more fruits and veggies, I need to take care of me, then all of a sudden, tomorrow, you can be a better person of your, yeah. you'll feel better. A better version of yourself. Absolutely. So before, you, before the listeners start throwing things across the room, because you said we're not equal, yeah. but if you don't understand what he's saying, yes, it's a provocative comment out of context but in context what he is saying is that we must compete with our best selves not with others we all have Absolutely. different dna we have different vitals we have different uh you know privilege or not we have different opportunity or not um we're made of different um everything so yeah. that's that's what he's saying and, and, and he's saying that we should have workplaces that are flexible enough to allow us to meet our own basic needs such mm -hmm. as if i'm not feeling well now I, i've had a hysterectomy so those days are long gone for me but if i weren't feeling well because of my cycle i should be able to 
uh, in this digital age, work from home or not work at all until I'm better. Or, you know, it's about the quality of time you spend working, not the hours or punching the clock. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So and, I and, got you, Doc. I covered yeah, you. And I, I got your back. Yeah, and I, I guess I meant to say in a pro provocative way because yes. it opens people's eyes to listen, right? And, yeah. and, I, and I truly feel that women can be amazing leaders and they can be uh, anything they want. So it's equality there, absolutely. Equality and pay, absolutely should be there. But we're different people, right? In our office, uh, we have 11 staff, nine of which are women. And uh, it's awesome to work with them. They are all amazing individuals and they're the best at what they do. And I wouldn't trade them for a guy unless there was a guy that did just as good work as they did. But every one of them is awesome. Now, again, three of them are moms. One of them is a new mom. Some are, um, you know, brand new grads. So we have the whole uh, plethora of, uh, or what's the word, right? The whole from from new grads spectrum. to spectrum. Spectrum. That's the word. Yep. Thank you. Of women that work with us, and I think, and um, we've all been able to support what each one of us needs in our workplace, right? So for me, it's even I take time off because I have four kids. Hey, I'm going to come in late today. I'm going to leave early tomorrow. I'm volunteering at my kid's school. I'm going to a field trip. So the staff works around that. So I love it, right? It's we all need to be there for each other, and one of the things and part of what I get to do is there's so many executives that um, being in this area that I get to see that one of the big things encouraging them especially ones that have smaller companies because they can make changes much easier is that hey why don't you have a place where you make your entire culture um, open and accepting of everybody right where where if a woman needs to breastfeed, is it okay if they bring their baby in? Is it okay for them to have more time off? Is it okay for them to, can you schedule meetings that aren't at six or seven, 8 p.m. Right. where you know, moms and dads are with their kids? Can you, can you just work that eight to five or nine to four, whatever the times are, but allow people to have a family life, allow people to have um, something more than work because if you give them a life outside of here, when they are here, they will give their 110% and exactly. more productivity. And I think that's what it comes down to. And that's for everybody. But as a woman, that's what I tell them in the workplace is you have to be your own advocate every single day. Yeah. And Let me say something on that front. I was going to, I didn't want to interrupt you, but I really okay. want people to recognize how unique this is. We want women to move up the ladder. They're entering the workforce about the same pace as men, but they're not moving up the ladder at the pace that men are. So it's, we, we want that to happen because likely when that happens, policies in workplaces will change such that parental leave is a thing and men and women both can say, I've got to go to my kids, you know, play at school or we're going on a field trip. But it's so wonderful and unique and refreshing to hear you as a male leader in your organization make room for that and a lot for that and encourage that. So thank you. Thank you for that. Let me and ask you one last question. Oh, yeah, go I ahead. Say one last thing. And I think something else that's very, very important is for women to stand up with each other. Oh um, yeah. And support each other. So much of what, I mean, my wife tells me this all the time is that I go do something and the other women are the one that it's not the men that are putting me down or putting my idea down. It's the other women. And 
we women aren't supporting each other to reach a higher goal or higher purpose. Yeah. Right? Um, and I, and I, th I think that's so important is for women to say, hey, you know, you're my sister. Let's, let's do this together. Let's stand up together. Let's have the courage to, um, to voice our opinions together and support what our needs are. And I think if women can come together to do that, we change the world. Absolutely. Right. And, and I never, I guess I don't see that I'm speaking, my, my wife says this all the time yeah. is that, um, you know, even when, when she was working, when she was pregnant and we had our first, she was pregnant with our first, um, the other women in her office wouldn't cut her any slack when she was saying my back hurts or this hurts and I can't lift. Even she went to go see a female physician that uh, would not give her a work note to say, hey, don't lift kids above X number of pounds, right? And I was like, that's crazy. Why won't she do that? And I think sometimes women are hardest on other women. I, and I don't uh, still purely understand why, but um, women I are do. hardest on other women. <laughs> I can tell you, I teach yeah. a lot about this. Um, it's unacceptable and it has to stop. And it's why I always say we should lift each other up and not put each Absolutely. other down. But yeah. tightrope bias, tug of war bias, uh, women who are clawing at each other for the one or two spots at the top, I say refocus your energies, talents, and skills and claw the, the operating system to create more positions, mm -hmm. not fight each other for the very, the too few that exist, the too few yeah. positions that exist. So I'm with you on that. And your wife seems like a wise woman and she's lucky uh, you're lucky to have her she's lucky she's, she's amazing and yeah good, good i am uh, more than you know well let me ask you what do you do in your free time oh boy right now it seems like spend time with the kids <laughs> uh, you got a lot of kids buddy yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's, that's awesome a lot that's of awesome. a lot of the time goes in that um you know it's um free time is I think I've changed my mindset on what free time means. It's, it's not really free time anymore. It's a change of mind. Yeah. And, uh, it's a change of activity. It's a change of doing something. So for example, going, getting away from work, then it's, I get to spend time with the kids. Right. And it's, right. You know, I get to go to the park with them or I get to do something. And, and, uh, that's think, so nice. Yeah, I think that's the biggest thing. It's changing that mindset, not, oh my gosh, I need time to myself. And I have to have, if I think we make such a, um, we create a mindset that I, my life has to be, I need time to have, sit down and have coffee by myself. I need to have this. I need to have that. I need to have this and that. And we create this, sometimes a, a vision of our life that's not, that may not work in this present day. Maybe you can have that, like maybe for example, for me, I'll have that in five years once our youngest is in school, then maybe those few hours during the daytime, my wife and I might get some time to ourselves. But until then, we kind of know like, hey, this is our life. This is what we chose. We consciously did this. So we accept that. And right. so now I kind of tailor the practice around that where I come in a little late so I can have breakfast with the kids. I can drop them to school and then I come into the office then. Okay. Well, I want to have dinner with the kids. I want to take them to the park or playground before that my wife needs some time to make dinner. Okay. So can I get home by five o'clock so she can cook five to six and we can be at the park. We can be running around. Right. So it's, 
I think that's right now where the free time comes. And if I want really want time to myself right now, I get up earlier before the kids and the whole family wakes up to be able to go work out or to meditate or just to kind of spend 30 minutes in Well, quiet. I love that answer because it is about changing your mind. Um, you know, studies show that living in gratitude really is a way to bring greater happiness. And so it sounds to me like um, I get to spend time with my children more than I have to spend time with my children is a very powerful shift in mm -hmm. the way that we um, think about things or our perception of things. Um, I had a friend whose husband once said, oh, I have to stay home and babysit tonight. And I looked at him and I was like, really? I think they call that parenting, <laughs> you know? Yeah, right. So change your mind, right? So yeah. you're awesome. I can't wait to be your next new patient. And I will ask you. you. Yeah, well, share how, pe how can people connect with you? Sure, I think the, the best ways are our website, um, parikhealth.com is a very easy way to get a hold of us, but we're also on Facebook. Um, in the groups, there's a lifestyle medicine, um, and, and uh, it's lifestyle medicine by Silicon Valley Doc. And then there's also our email, concierge at parikhealth.com. So, and all the links to all this are on our website, parikhealth.com. That's probably awesome. Yeah, everything you can find on there. And folks, if you didn't get a chance to jot that down, I'll put all that in the blog that I write about um, this entire wonderful idea of holistic healing and prevention versus just curative medicine. And um, you'll get to meet Doc again in my blog that I'll write. And then I'll include hyperlinks to his website and his uh, email address and all that good contact info that he just shared. So thank you so much for spending time with us. This was a much more robust conversation. To be honest, it's a much more robust conversation than I thought it would be. Um, and I enjoyed every minute of it. And I can't wait. No, thank you for having me. It was, it was great. It was fun to chat. <laughs> a lot of people say that. I don't usually, uh, I'm pretty open, but I don't usually get that personal. <laughs> but you got well, me there. So thanks. No problem. Of course, anytime. Awesome. Well, everybody have a great day and look for the blog within about 48 hours. I'll put that up on my website. Bye-bye and have a good weekend.